This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we're talking about a big moment that we experienced earlier this week. We got invited to an event from a brand that we've always wanted to work with. And on this episode, we reflect on that experience as well as talk about the importance of having a defined North Star when you're creating content or really just trying to bring any idea to life. We also answer your questions from the Anchor app. We integrate those questions throughout the episode. Thanks to everyone who submitted voice messages to us this week. We're gonna try and integrate more questions like this in our episodes. We're so appreciative of everyone who sent us a voice message. It was really awesome to hear those. All right, without further ado, this is episode 46 of the Colin and Samir podcast. Big week, man. I mean, it was just something that I always wanted to do. And it was it was hard to define why, um, but I think we did it well in our video that just came out on our YouTube channel. We got to the bottom of it. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, we got to go to a Samsung event this week and actually receive the new Galaxy Fold phone. I'm sure you're hearing about the Galaxy Fold phone. It's all over Twitter. It's all over the headlines, all over YouTube. It's pretty hard to escape the Galaxy Fold phone. And, and these tech releases have become such a big thing, in, especially in YouTube communities and YouTube culture. Tech releases are huge, whether it's the new Apple phone or it's just like your whole feed gets taken over by this one product, which is very remarkable to think about the fact that these companies have created, have eventized the release of their product to the point where it's valuable content for influencers to talk about their product and they don't actually have to, you know, engage them in any way. You know, I think actually, though, a lot of that has to do probably with Apple, actually, originally, with the way that they started to eventize all of their releases. True. And as they started to come out with all of these revolutionary products, uh, iPod, iPhone, iPad, there was a real trajectory that you could actually follow, and it really built the hype. And so now we're still living off that. There, there's uh, just nothing like it. There's no other product that affects so many people in the world as a tech product like a phone or AirPods or an iPod. Nothing affects human societies like one of those companies releasing something like that. Well, and specifically, you know, we mentioned that these tech reviews and the tech releases do really well on YouTube. If you're someone who is watching a lot of YouTube, you're probably watching on a mobile device. Mm. So you have some interest in knowing how these devices are changing just by nature of that's how you uh, intake information. Yeah, it's also if you are a creator of any sort, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or whatever, you're actually using this thing to make the content that potentially has built your career, right? If you are if you were a Vine star, if iPhone didn't exist, you couldn't have had a career. So and, and these, these, are, these tech reviewers have huge careers on their hands. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. And this is something that we've watched from the sidelines. Mm -hmm. We've never really done a tech review. It's not what we do. It's not necessarily uh, our expertise, but that doesn't mean that you can't get invited to a tech release event, which we did get invited to. You know, it's funny throughout the last seven years of making YouTube videos. So many people have considered me a tech guy, especially in my family. So many people are like, he's in tech. Yeah, me too. I'm not in tech. <laughs> yeah. I know as much about tech as you do. I, I just, know. I just upload videos to YouTube. But especially as tech is now coming into all types of uh, like appliances and things like that, all the time, like if like 
someone gets a new washer dryer and they're having a hard time figuring it out. Like, maybe maybe give Colin a call. I, I think he, he deals with screens. And they yeah. give me a call and they're like, hey, Colin, can you help me with this uh, this new Dyson dryer I have? And I'm like, no. Yeah, my, mom's, my mom is big on having me help with the router. And that is just something. I don't know anything yeah. about routers. She called me the other day and was like, what's the best router? I have no idea. Yeah. But like, just the relationship between internet uploading internet videos videos yeah and tech i mean is she wrong to ask you if she's going to ask you or your brother yeah that's true i mean i would be the one to know about the router and i think my parents are right to ask me too that's fair yeah okay back to the topic at hand so this episode today not to get too far away from it but we are going to take some of your questions from anchor Uh, we've picked out a couple ones we will uh, put them into the episode and answer some of those questions um it was really exciting. It's always really exciting to hear your voice, like the audience's voice, the community's voice. Um, and I think that's a really cool feature that Anchor gives us. So feel free to keep sending us voice messages. We'll try and integrate them more into episodes as time goes on. But it's a really fun part of what we do. Um, we also want to you know, have a, have a more extended conversation about uh, the Samsung event we went to and kind of the um, feelings we had around it. It's a milestone moment for us and something that we just reflected on and thought about why is it such a, why was it? Why do we care so much? Why did we care? And why, why are we so excited to make content about this phone when we we don't, you know, it's just, we've never had a Samsung phone. We've never had an Android phone. It's so interesting. Um, cause there's, there's obviously a few creators who do have, um, relationships, commercial relationships with Samsung. But outside of that, everyone else is just really excited to get to make a video about it. And so that's fascinating to me that this this modern version of marketing in tech where you create an amazing event and experience for people and they, you know, in in turn blast out your messaging to millions of people. Part of it though is is it's an exclusive experience. Yeah. Right. That's part of what makes it valuable and what makes us, you know, want to be there. It's exciting. We're there with other YouTube creators that we follow that have larger followings than we do. And it's exciting to be sort of at the table and invited to the same events. So just to describe the scene, it was this Tuesday and it was the day that everyone was receiving their Galaxy Fold. We got invited to come to a hotel in West Hollywood, go up to the penthouse, which was really cool. It's beautiful view of L.A., very small, intimate room. Mm hmm. A lot of other, you know, actors, celebrities, and YouTubers in the room, which was immediately, you're, it's just exciting, you know? It's like, whoa, yep. this is crazy, especially because I think we're kind of new to getting invited to stuff like this. Yeah, very new. Very new. We've never gotten invited to, to something like this. Um, but we get to go in there, and then they had two Samsung reps who were just our reps. They were attentive to Colin and I the whole time. Uh, it was an amazing experience. There was, you know, food and drinks and uh, we unboxed, we got to unbox our phones one at a time. And then these guys talked us through how it all worked. And they were taking photography, taking video. Mm-hmm. We were taking a lot of video, uh, which you'll see on our channel. Yeah. And it, it, it was truly from an experience perspective, one of the cooler experiences, you know, being in LA and, and getting to go through that. That was awesome. Um I also learned so much about the phone. You know, we had the option of just going there and picking up the phone and leaving, but I think we ended up staying for three hours. Uh, we, we milked it. We yeah, we really milked but we were, it. I was having a great time creating with the phone. 
you know, taking photos. Uh, we were taking some video. Today, we tested out the slow-mo on the phone, which we posted to our Twitter. You can go check that out. That was awesome. So I think it was the most in-depth I've ever gone with a phone. Like my iPhone, I've always just learned myself. You know, you just take it home and you figure it out. You're like, oh, that's how that works. And even that, I, I probably don't know all the features of my iPhone. I've never taken True. two, three hours and had someone there that could tell me everything that it does. Yeah, so, so that was, was a pretty unique opportunity. That was a cool experience. And it, it was just cool to get to fold a phone. That was that was kind of like a wild experience. Yeah, it was fun. So um, all said and done, it was awesome. But as we were driving away, we were talking about how has this become... How has this been, For years, we've talked about wanting to work with Samsung and get invited to a Samsung event and get involved with this brand, Samsung. So we started thinking about like, why is that... How did that happen? Yeah, and then we go through this in our video on the channel, but you know, it really all starts with Casey Neistat. In 2016, as far back as we can remember, that was the first time that Samsung got involved with him and started facilitating videos for him, helping him, funding some of the videos. And the first one we saw was human flying drone. Mm -hmm. And they Samsung and a company called DroneWorks, who specializes in these type of... Uh, massive drones and sort of specialty drones came in and built a drone that dragged Casey uh, while he was on his snowboard and then eventually took him up into the air. Crazy. It's really crazy. It's a wild video if you haven't seen it. That was the first time uh, I remember Samsung getting involved with Casey or any creator for that matter, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Casey, Casey Neistat has been an aspirational creator for us. Um, so in turn, having a brand like Samsung get involved with with him immediately makes it aspirational. But then as time went on, Samsung began financing and, and funding and getting involved with and supporting creators that we really love, like Max Joseph. There's a there's a movie he made called From Dream to Reality. Unbelievable. Like I, I loved it. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, Chantel Martin, something that was directed by Casey Neistat and then hosting these events purely for YouTube creators. And it was one of the first times I'd ever seen a brand go so deep with creators. I don't think I've ever seen a brand this deep. Like it was such a global big brand going all in with Definitely creators. the first time that I remember seeing a brand take a, a group like this and sort of bring what was a digital community into a real physical sense with a lot of these events that they were having True. to premiere videos. And I, I, I would imagine that's happened before, but at least in my experience of watching YouTube, that was one of the first times that I saw a brand uh, take a number of creators and put them in the same physical space. And, uh, and and to take it a step further, to put creators on a platform and, and put them really in the forefront of their marketing, especially the fact that Samsung took out an Oscars commercial and put Casey Neistat in it and then put all bunch of YouTubers that we know for the whole world to watch, that felt to me like a moment where I wanted so badly to be a part of that you know, be in that commercial, be a part of that world and be associated with this brand. That was the moment for yeah. me that was, that was big. It, it felt attainable to see that, you know, knowing that like we were also a part of this community. Yeah. So, the, you know, we make some relationships between Samsung and Nike in our video talking about how their do what you can't is basically the just do it of creators. So do what you can't is their big slogan, especially in the creator community. Um, and just do it, obviously, is Nike's slogan. So this is this similar vibe of motivational, overcome adversity, um, 
you know, you can do anything you put your mind to vibe. But I, I also want to draw a relationship between those two brands because one thing I think is incredibly important for anyone who is creating and anyone who is trying to make something happen for themselves is to have a North Star that you're shooting for. And for us, when we started our first company with the Lacrosse Network, we would say it almost on a daily basis that we wanted to work with Nike and that our dream was we wanted to work with Nike. So everything we were creating, we held to a certain standard. We wanted to get to the place where a brand like Nike would look at our network and say, we want to advertise with them. And that happened. But it happening wasn't as important as every day having that North Star. That is what was the most important. It was your guiding light as creators. And recently, within the last year or so, you know, that brand in, in the Colin and Samir world has been Samsung. Samsung has been the brand that we've said, that's we want to make our stuff to the point where we're on their radar. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that we think so much from a standpoint of which brand would we get involved with. I think that just speaks a lot to our background of starting together in business in search of attracting brands, mm-hmm. right? That when we make the Colin and Samir channel, one of the early things we think of is what brand would we align this with, you know? But we're also big fans of advertising. Totally. Yeah. And so like when you watch the video on our channel today, it's very clear we are fans of advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, we will send each other ads, print ads, yeah. billboards. We will review ads, you know, that we see together. It's we, we both love advertising. So I think the opportunity to create advertising, but create advertising in your own way with you in it. Everything we did with Nike had us in it. Yep. That was awesome. Yeah, we did that with Gatorade. We've done that yeah. with Under Armour. We've done that with New Balance. So that's that's crazy. You get to create yeah. advertising and be the face of your own advertising campaign. That to me is is just so exciting. It's always fun too. I mean, when a brand allows you to do something that you would not have been able to do before. And I think audiences a lot of times are very skeptical about brand involvement, right? Because there's always that mm-hmm. question of, did this creator sell out? Did this creator do something they did not want to do? And can I tell? But in our experience, especially in the lacrosse network, because we were talking to an underserved community, whenever a brand came in and they were able to provide some funding and elevate our content, we were able to provide something to the lacrosse community that they had never potentially seen before at a production level, at an access level that they hadn't seen. So for us, it was very exciting to get involved with a lot of the brands that we did get involved with. Mm. How do you, what, what do you think, like as a Casey Neistat fan, when you watch his videos that incorporate Samsung products, what do you think about them? Does it feel authentic? Does it feel commercial? What is it? For me, it feels very Casey in that I, I don't obviously know him that well, really, but I do think he's a guy who likes things that are very grand, right? And if you look at, you know, one of the years they like turned a mall into a Mm -hmm. winter wonderland, I guess, and they invited a bunch of kids to check that out. It was just very, it was this crazy idea, but that feels very Casey to me. It's this mix of like being a kid, but also being uh, a creator. And 
uh, interested in making something that wasn't there. So they took an abandoned mall, I think, in the middle of the country and totally dressed it up to look like this incredible winter wonderland. And they had a whole bunch of different YouTube creators play uh, different characters within like a winter wonderland sort of scene. So that to me feels very Casey. Part of me uh, is such a fan of a lot of his early work of like Make It Count, where it feels so raw mm. and like Casey just went rogue a little bit. And and I think it's more difficult to do that now because you can't run that play all mm. the time. But for me, whenever he uh, peels back the curtain and gets a little bit more raw, I enjoy it. When he made his four-part series about Mercedes, that's one of my favorite because it's four videos, uh, three of which are about the making of the ad and the final one is the ad. And for me, like a guy who likes advertising is right. interested in the behind the scenes of production. Uh, that to me was like a very meta way of, of making an ad. Mm. So I would be, I would love to see Samsung get involved with him or with other creators and pull back the curtain a little bit on, on the behind the scenes of the creation. Hmm. I'd be really curious, everyone who's listening right now, if you have seen a lot of creators who are involved with Samsung, whether Casey or, or not Casey, um, and what you think about a big brand like that. Does it feel authentic to you? Because I think you and I are so such fans of advertising that it might be hard for us to to view it in, in a negative light. Definitely. I worry curious. about that, actually. Sometimes when I watched, we were watching back our cut of our video that came out on YouTube, and one of my concerns was, is someone just going to look at this and be like, what, did Samsung just pay for this? Or what is right. this? What is this, an ad? J just to be clear, we have no commercial relationship no. with Samsung outside of them giving us a phone and inviting us to that event, yeah. which was very nice and very cool. Um, I would hope to do something, you know, that would where we could pitch them a movie or a documentary and, mm -hmm. and shoot it and, and have them support it. Um, all right. Should we get into a question? Yep. All right. First question from Anchor Voice Messages. Here we go. Hi guys, this is Timo Nanda calling, the host and creator of Timo Nanda Talks right here on Anchor FM. And I've got a question for you. Do you feel that downtown LA has gotten a little bit too hip for its own good? Um, I'm just curious because I, I was down there a couple of weeks ago with my friend Lisa Napoli and we were, um, we couldn't find a, like a, just a fun, like regular place to go. Every single place, every shop was, was like this fancy special ice cream or a specialty item thing. And there are lines everywhere. And I just feel like maybe, I feel like maybe downtown LA has gotten a little bit too avocado toast for its own good. And I was wondering what your take Slam. is on the new downtown LA. Unbelievable question to start off with, guys. Very niche question. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Makes me think we have a strictly Los <laughs> Angeles-based audience. Which we which we definitely do not. Shout out to everyone who's <laughs> listening around the world. Um, I'm going to try and help have this make sense. Um, shout out to everyone who's listening to India. We see you. I love seeing that uh, when I look at where our listeners are coming from. It's so cool. Um, but shout out also to anyone in Los Angeles who is listening to us. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Shout out to, to anyone in, in downtown LA. So here we go. Let's dive in. So Colin and I have spent most of the last seven years in downtown Los Angeles. We've had offices in multiple different locations yeah, in multiple. downtown. Yeah. So we've kind of witnessed it. And, and me to go even further back, my dad has had an office in downtown Los Angeles since 1979. 
So since I was born, which was not 1979, but 1989. Yeah, since I was born, I've seen downtown LA change. And wherever you're from, you've probably seen your area change as well. And as time has gone on, I think right now we're at a point in young people where young people are making a lot more money uh, than they ever have before. They're also spending a lot more money. They're not saving as much. I I agree. But I think young people are making a lot more money and more interested in experiences than owning anything, which makes restaurants, coffee shops, all these kinds of places um, be able to pop up and real estate goes up because like the experience is so valuable. So I think across the board, um, that's probably why. And wherever you're living right now, there's definitely places that are popping up that are really expensive and hipster and like, you know. And in general, people are actually moving into urban areas uh, rapidly. Right. So So, so, with more people, the prices go up and the prices go up not only in rent, but also uh, in the avocados. So let's answer the question. What do you think? Is Is it too hip? hip? No, I don't think it's too hip. I don't think it's too hip either. For its own good. Uh, I think it's not hip enough. <laughs> yeah, you would say that. I, I, I 100% don't think it's hip enough. I, I actually I, think it's it's there's too much of a range between hipness and then parts of downtown LA that are just really struggling. I think downtown mm-hmm. LA could use a little bit of a a median area. That, that's probably true, yeah. That's probably true. There was yeah. If you had it your way though, there'd be avocado toast lining like the streets. Yeah, it would be raining. Raining uh, avocado. Yeah, be raining toast. avocado. I love and avocado. And chia seeds. Yeah. You have to remember, I'm born and raised in LA. I get it. So man. I get um, it. For yeah. me, though, I, I do appreciate just a normal diner sometimes. You know? I'm, or a bagel place that actually just sells bagels. I'm mostly curious how many people have turned off the podcast thinking, what am I listening to right now? Yeah, is this too far? <laughs> we need to get back? To- yeah, let's rein it back in. Okay. I was just thinking about that. I was like, we, we started talking about like real estate prices in an urban area. So this one's so, off the rails. Yeah, this one. I think we've gone off the rails. Oh, no. But let me rein it back. So Good luck. Com- coming back to that experience economy <laughs> thing, like that we are all so interested in experiences. I think as we're looking at brands, like a brand like Samsung, you look at what we went to, they're providing such an experience. And I think it's getting really competitive to provide that experience to people where if another tech brand invited us, Immediately, we would compare it to that event. Yeah, I mean, they, two different types of wraps that we got to choose from. <laughs> we had multi- easily we would need three. We had multiple like buffets that multiple we could buffets. Go to. Yeah, but it was just, breakfast buffet, then a lunch buffet. It was such a um, phenomenal experience, and that makes you, as the creator who's invited to that, interested and more uh, willing to talk about the brand. Definitely. For I mean, sure. We've talked about it all over. All yeah. over. Yeah. But it's, but it's interesting because it's a little bit disruptive to the creator economy because such a they, it's possible to cast a really wide net across creators and provide invest a ton of money into throwing a great event and saying, if we invite all these creators, they're going to make content about it because they need good content. But we don't necessarily have to pay them for it um, because we're paying them in this experience. And that's where the currency of experience has has gone so high up because you can make content about it. And because that then in turn potentially would get you 
viewership, subscribers. It, it's interesting that that's how much people are valuing experiences mm-hmm. to the point where their business, not, not, not necessarily ours, but their business is talking about tech um, or about brands mm-hmm. doing advertising. And because they are offered an exclusive experience, a good experience, they will forego normally what would be a rate for them and just talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's how good it is. Which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, we made a whole video about having a $16 coffee at Blue Bottle. I love Blue Bottle. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying like <laughs> the world of creation and marketing oh, is yeah. is really different because that just wouldn't have happened in any other world. You would, you know, like that, that just wouldn't, happened in any other world like that was a it was a rave review of blue bottle coffee on our on our channel i think we had adsense on that though we probably made the money back 16 dollars for a coffee that's true you're right okay another question (laughs) here we go hey colin and samir just discovered your podcast on anchor welcome a dad and really can appreciate what you're talking about here with instagram I deleted it myself, but I'm really torn, and I'd like to hear your thoughts. How do you promote and grow your business, your podcast, everything without social media? I've never really been on social media. I hopped on recently to promote my podcast, Dad the Best I Can Show, my business, and intellectually, I know it's not healthy for me, but I don't know. It's just that... uh, that tension, I'd love to hear. I don't, I don't really hear people discuss it, so it was really cool to stumble upon your episode. Thanks, guys. That's awesome. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks wow, for listening. that's great. Yeah, that yeah. was his first listen. You know, that episode has gotten a lot of, uh, it's created a lot of conversation, which is really cool, because I think it's a thing that we all use, and we are creators, so it's a big topic in, in our community. Um, but I find that question really interesting. And I mainly find that question interesting because when we started our first business, Instagram didn't exist, nor did we really use Twitter. No, we strictly used YouTube. We just used YouTube. And I remember a lot of the conversation that we had and, and that the thought that I had in my mind was, well, if we make, we, we didn't have any advertising budget. So if we make good enough content, that means someone's probably going to share it with their friend. And I always used to think it was it was content about the sport of lacrosse. And I always used to imagine lacrosse practice where you have 30 lacrosse players together and making sure that I made a video good enough that someone at practice would turn to their friend and say, hey, man, did you check out that video on the lacrosse network? And so my biggest advice would be if you don't want to be on social media, but you still want to have amazing podcast make remarkable podcast episodes, meaning make podcast episodes that are worth making a remark over, worth someone turning to a friend at a coffee shop and saying, you got to check out this podcast. And a lot of that comes into your topic selection. Are you being vulnerable? Are you are you actually talking about something that's going to make someone say out loud to their friend, you should listen to this podcast? Or, hey, I heard this thing on this podcast about X. That's another way that things can spread. It doesn't have to spread through Instagram. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would also say sometimes it's better to think small. I mean, Instagram, when you don't have any following, 
is this massive ocean and you are the tiniest drop in it. You are already an established member, most likely, of the community that you live in. So start with people who, in your immediate community, could benefit from whatever your service is. Make sure that they are at least, even if it's only 10 people who would be interested, make sure that those are 10 people who have access to you and are super passionate about what you're doing and would tell a friend who do find it remarkable. Start with those people. If they don't find it remarkable, then you've got uh, a problem. 100%. Develop 10 to 20 super fans of your work. They will go tell their friends if you really are making great work for them. And that's that's one of the most important things in in all of this and all of marketing is I think people get really caught up in how do I cast the biggest net? How do I how do I get millions of people on this? But it, it truly is a not necessary always to have millions of people following your stuff and B, not the most effective thing you could do. The most effective thing is to get a small group of people to be diehard fans of your work and have them give them the tools for them to turn to their friends and make that 10 people 20. I remember when we used to be in contact with YouTube in the early days of Lacrosse Network, they would always tell us, you know, even though YouTube, their tagline is broadcast yourself, you should really be microcasting. Narrow casting, right? Mm, they're basically the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> Microcasting, narrowcasting, whatever it is. It's it's the it's what we were just talking about here. It's, pick pick a small group. It's narrowcasting. It gonna, is, it isn't. <laughs> it was years ago. All right, yeah. Carry on. Maybe I came up with my own new term. Wow. You never know. Sure. Uh, and I'll add to that too that when we were first searching for audience, you know, the internet was far less developed from a social media standpoint than it is today. We were looking at blogs to see where our audience currently lives. Mm. So I would also add that, you know, there may be places outside of Instagram where your audience is living and interacting more so than on Instagram. That might be a blog or a forum or something like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, Instagram is not the end-all be-all marketing tool. It's an amazing marketing tool. Some people have built huge brands off of it, but it's not the only marketing tool. It's funny because it does feel that way sometimes, especially my family works in the fashion business and it really feels like all anyone talks about is Instagram, but you can actually grow a huge fashion brand. If like if you created that constraint for someone and said, grow a big fan base without Instagram, like you'd have to get really creative with it. You'd have to go grassroots. You'd have to make meaningful impact on people in a physical setting and that probably would grow, you know, way more even because there's so much stuff on Instagram. I can't like, you know, I can't always get emotionally connected to it, but you can in person, mm-hmm. you know, or you can through a podcast where you, um, you know, hit on a, a subject that's really relatable to someone. All right. Should we do another one? That was a good question. That was a good question. Hey, Colin Zemir. Just wanted to send you a message saying what I appreciate it you guys' hard work and your inspiration you guys are doing some sweet stuff and I was really proud of you guys making that awesome documentary with Yes Theory hey I just wanted to know uh, how did you guys get into or what's the best way to break into making documentary style content for brands Um, uh, and do you have any tips for that that sort of thing I don't know if you could do an episode on that or your thoughts anyways thanks for what you guys do and keep it up well, thank you for watching uh, the movie we made. Um, that's an awesome question. I, I can only speak from our experience. Yeah. 
which goes in line with what we've just talked about, which is narrow cast, pick, you know, uh, an underserved community, start there and also have a brand in mind that you want to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, from my experience, that's, that's the only way that, you know, if you want to make documentaries specifically for brands, start with a, an underserved community or, or a community that, that you think you can benefit with your work and invest the time to hopefully get the attention of the brands that want to be in that space. Mm-hmm. And create things, start creating things that you can build a portfolio or a reel again with that brand in mind. Like study their aesthetic. It's a huge part of what you and I do. Mm-hmm. You know, some sometimes I think to um, we're such fans of it. You know, especially with with what we've done with a lot of the other brands is we we make sure that we're authentic to their aesthetic, their look, their feel um, when we work with them from a, a branded content perspective. So study the brand that you want to work with and and think about one brand and create with that brand in mind. Build a portfolio and then like either try and grow an audience so they get their attention or cold email them your work. That works all the time. Just sending, they, they all need content creation, right? So send them an email and say, hey, I made this. I'm a huge fan of your brand. Um, I think you'd be really into this and I'd love to work with you on your upcoming release of your product. Be educated on what they're doing, you know, and, and really think about how you could plug in and provide value and, and pitch them an idea. It's just, you know, you, you just have to start creating. The hard part of this whole thing is you have to invest the time in creating. The hard thing too is in, in the beginning, you know, when you express to a brand that you're very passionate about their brand and that you want to make something, all of a sudden you now are, are actually, you're valuing financially your work a little bit less if you come at them that you want to be doing this. I mean, I think the from my understanding of creative agencies and production houses that actually make the most money, they are ones that, uh, you know, I don't know what their, what their beginnings are like, but from my understanding, they operate at like a little bit of a higher level with a number of different brands. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's a little bit unrelated, but it is just part of that journey where it's like you are, you want to get your foot in the door with a brand, but you also are trying to make money. Yeah. I think you'd be surprised though how many brands can can make their own decisions or do make their own decisions well at creative agency. I mean, you think about a lot of the work that we did with New Balance. That was just directly with New Balance. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like they are interested in working with independent creators. Obviously, it comes with a huge plus if you have an audience, yeah. then it's more likely, but it's you know, it's not unlikely. Uh it's hard. It's hard to find, uh but it's not unlikely. So yeah, I, I think the best piece of advice is think of a brand, keep them as a North Star, start creating with them in mind and build a portfolio or an audience that you can push in their direction. All right. Do another one. That was pretty related to the to beginning conversation about Samsung. So mm-hmm. that was good. Um, let's see. Wow. You know what? I'm very impressed with how many of these voice messages we have. Um, I want to pick one. Let's see. Hey, it's Phil again from Montreal, Canada. Thank you for having this voice messages episode. I hope I'll get in because I have a question 
about the algorithm and not in a how to cheat or whatever, not this bullshit. My question is regarding people like NerdWriter or CPG Grey or people that post non-constantly and often with a lot of time between each videos or content piece. I had a thought regarding how the algorithm must value these because they do really great. We know that the content is great as you know humans watching it, but how the, the algorithm knows is something I was wondering. So here's the question. First of all, Phil, thank you for submitting voice messages. Uh, it means a lot. You, you interacts with us on Twitter all the time. It's just awesome to have you know a member of the community who's been along for the ride um, and always always engages with us, which is so fun. But the question is really interesting. He's saying, what about these channels on YouTube who upload infrequently but still dominate in viewership? How does NerdRider not upload for five weeks and then upload a video and gets three million or four million, you know? And I think the question he's asking is, we all know that these are really good videos uh, from a viewer perspective, but how does YouTube know? And there's an answer to this. Um, yeah, and the answer is watch time. It's watch time and it's retention. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, if if your video is six minutes long and people watch five minutes and 45 seconds on average, that's really, really good retention. And it adds to a lot of watch time. So the, you know, YouTube algorithm is made so that, you know, videos that keep people longer on the platform will be served to more and more people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of also um, different data like session time. So what that means is when I leave your video, how long do I stay on YouTube afterwards? And it's why a lot of channels that have binge-worthy content, channels that you can watch one video and then watch 10 videos of theirs, um, those channels oftentimes get surfaced a lot more on YouTube because you're keeping someone on YouTube for an hour. Even though each of your videos is 10 minutes, they're watching 10 of your videos and then they're going and watching other videos on YouTube. So as you think about, you know, uploading your content, frequency doesn't have to be once a week, doesn't have to be every day. That was a big part of YouTube, you know, a couple of years ago, but it no longer is. It's more about the quality of the content and that's defined by how long is someone watching and how attentive are they while they're watching, which is retention. Are they clicking away? Are they rewinding? Are they dropping off all of a sudden at one point? You know, and we've learned a lot about that recently and, and have tried to make our content, um, make adjustments on our content to make retention better. Yeah, a recent piece of feedback we got when we were in Santa Barbara with YouTube for a consulting project, we, we ended up having a one-on-one session with a partner manager at YouTube and they kind of brought us through our channel and they watched some of our videos and sometimes we do intros that are sort of elaborate and maybe they take 30 seconds and then we do the same thing at the end. We used to just leave a lot of black space at the end so that you could annotate to another video. And this partner manager at YouTube was telling us that that dead time is time that people are actually just clicking away. And so that that is hurting your overall watch time. Cause that last 30 seconds is just totally, you know, people are leaving. And so YouTube from like their perspective is like, all right, well, their content's just boring. Yeah. At this point, like the retention is lower percentage of retention is lower and the watch time is lower because 
all those 10,000 people are not watching 30 seconds of it, which is a considerable amount of watch time we've lost. So there are some, you know, quick fixes you can make, but at the core of it, Nerdwriter makes amazing content, <laughs> which I want to watch all the way through. So that's why it gets millions of views no matter when he uploads it. Same with, if you look at, you know, we, we bring up Casey a lot, but he's one of the few creators I really, really watch uh, whenever a video comes up. But he does not upload very frequently anymore. No. But he has structured his videos more. Right. Now. Yeah, so that there's true. a reason to watch to the end. When you, right. you know, really when he was uploading daily, you would just watch because you had to know what happened next. Well, let's talk about Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast, there's no one on YouTube who drives more retention than Mr. Beast, in my opinion. Yeah, and Mr. Beast, if you don't know who he is, is a uh, YouTube creator who's been on the platform for years and years and years and had a number of different channels. But in the last year and a half, two years, has been the fastest growing channel on YouTube. How many subscribers does he have now? All right, I'm pulling up Mr. Beast. He's got 17 million, so he's soon going to pass some of the biggest you know, channels. He probably, my prediction is by this time next year, he'll be in the top five if not top three channels on YouTube. Um, so let me read some of his titles because there's a lot of different elements of YouTube to drive watch time. It starts with the title and thumbnail, which is something that's hard to nail. We tried to nail one today. We'll see. We'll see what you guys think about our, our most recent thumbnail. It's so unique to YouTube. Yeah, it's so unique because... Even if your content's amazing, no one's going to watch it if the thumbnail sucks. Yeah. That's such a unique thing. Um, Instagram doesn't have that. Twitter doesn't no, have that. It's, such, it's so unique. Um, and then the title as well. Yeah. Like now you got to create a title. So uh, Mr. Beast, from a title and thumbnail perspective, is one of the best on the platform. Let me just read a couple of these. And, and just think in your head if you would want to watch this or not. And you can answer. Colin. I gave a homeless man a home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not only do you want to watch that, but you want to watch it till the end. You, or at least until you get to see him give the homeless man the home. Which most likely is going to be at the is end. It's going to be the last <laughs> 10 seconds. Um, oh, this is amazing. Um, anything you can carry, I'll pay for challenge. So good. So what that, the thumbnail, just to describe it, is a guy trying to carry as much as he can out of a store. Uh, so there you go. Uh, yeah, donating $100,000 to a Twitch streamer. You got to see the reaction. Yeah, he, I mean, just does a lot of things where like tension will build or there's an immediate reaction. S surviving 24 hours straight in a desert. Yeah, and Mr. Beast is YouTube in 2019 with the change in the algorithm. Like if Casey was YouTube, the face of YouTube in 2015, 2016, when he was daily vlogging, Mr. Beast is definitely the face of YouTube right now, of what it means to succeed on YouTube. Last to remove their hand gets a Lamborghini. That's insane. That's nuts, right? But the thing is, you and I have been talking about this. Um, Mr. Beast has changed the culture of YouTube to the point where look at Logan Paul's most recent video that just came out today. My favorite roommate gets a car. Yeah. With like surprise of who's going to get the car, right? And I mean, so Logan also, he's clearly very, uh, you know, he's homegrown YouTube, but even James Corden released a video last week having something to do with making an intern 
watch all of Game of Thrones in one sitting. And and that's very Mr. Beast as well. Like, mm-hmm. let's put someone through some sort of crazy long-term challenge right. and see how they do. And in James Corden's case, they, they locked an intern in a room with a bunch <laughs> of snacks and they just made him watch yeah. eight seasons or seven seasons of Game of Thrones. And that's built for YouTube. You know, that is not yeah. built for television. In what that's, world would that yeah, seem like that. a good concept <laughs> for a late night talk show? Right. And next up, we have an intern locked mm-hmm. in a room and he's going to watch every episode of Game of Thrones. Right. You'd be like, no thanks, James. I will skip that. It's pure, purely for YouTube and to feed into the culture. So it's amazing if you're thinking about YouTube and um, trying to come up with ideas. One thing that Mr. Beast said that I loved is rather than trying to be weekly with his content, he tries to spend way more time thinking about an idea. So what he'll say is, what I'll do, instead of releasing four videos in a month, I'll spend three weeks thinking through my idea, one week make producing it, and then put up one video that month, which will do 35 million views, which will do way more viewership than if I put out a video every single week because I spent three weeks thinking through the concept, thinking through the title, the thumbnail, how it was going to be structured to make people watch till the end. And that is the most important part of content creation on YouTube today is are you making people watch till the end? One, did you get them to click right. in the first place? Two, are they going to watch till the end? Yes Theory does an amazing job with that. They just released an IGTV video. Did you see it? About um, how they make thumbnails. No, I didn't and, see that. And to make their most recent thumbnail for social media, they drive an hour or hour and a half outside of LA to find like an open field that seems out there to take a photo. Yeah, for a these thumbnail. guys are wild. But that's how much care goes into... It's super important. It's yeah. make or break. It's make or break for a video. You can't You can't just start, like, <laughs> yeah. put up and stuff. It's tough because we know that too, but like, today we took uh, a photo for our thumbnail, but that's one of maybe f- 10 to 15 times we've done that for our own channel. Yeah, for sure. So it definitely but, takes a lot of thought. You have to think out the video very deeply before you make it now. So... You know, the frequency I think that everyone saw with daily vloggers, where daily vloggers were growing, it's not the same. Unless somehow you can make a video every single day with an amazing thumbnail, with an amazing concept that makes me watch till the end. Maybe that's working for some people. I think like Ace Family is doing daily vlogs, but not at scale right now. That's not going to work. What's going to work is really, really dialed concepts that make me watch start to finish have some tension that rises throughout the video. Super important. So that's the answer to your question about frequency and algorithm. It's all about <laughs> it's all about watch time and avocado toast in downtown Los Angeles. This is a wild episode. This was a wild episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you enjoyed it though. Um, <laughs> and we hope you send us more voice messages. And again, maybe we'll do one an episode. You know, just one wild card message. Any closing thoughts on Samsung? Closing thoughts on Samsung. It was awesome to get to go to the event. Um, I've actually used the phone more than I thought I would. Same. Um, I really enjoy it. I've been using it to, to like, it's like a tablet and I've never had a tablet. So that's, Same. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and just something that is exciting, again, like you and I talked about, it's the beginning of our relationship with Samsung. Um, let's see where it goes. But this was our North Star. What would be a dream project? 
Dream project, I think, would be making documentary-style pieces about our favorite creators sponsored by Samsung. So getting to go behind the scenes with Casey Neistat or um, Chris Chan or... Creator profiles. Creator profiles. Yeah. yeah, I think creator profiles um, with the constraint of using Samsung. Like today we used the slow motion. That was awesome. Like, it was dope. What about that? Like what if we had the constraint of just using the phone to make these profiles... I mean, all right. So creator profiles, but you know, coming off the conversation about the algorithm, how do you make a creator profile that makes people want to watch to the end? That's not my specialty. Got it. Okay. I was hoping you had something because if you had something there, I'd be like, all right, maybe like we could go on a journey with them. Maybe you and I have to produce the whole series without having any food or water. Sounds stressful. (laughs) Not for me, but people would probably watch. People would watch that. It would be more interesting. Yeah. That is actually how you would do it. That's how you would do something. Something like like that. We were under some sort of other constraint. Yeah. Or the creator is under like, like hot ones where that's a great example of this as well, where, okay, I'm going to interview this person, but I'm going to make them eat hotter and hotter wings throughout the interview. Now tension is rising throughout the interview. If I said, I'm going to make an interview show with celebrities, it's not that it, it's not that interesting. Yeah. But if I say, I'm going to make an interview show with celebrities where they have to eat hot wings and they get progressively hotter, now it's all of a sudden become interesting. It could be like, we profile a creator doing something for the first time, something they've never done before. Mm, do what you can't. I like that. Oh, I did not even think about that. But yeah. Wow, like trying things they've never done. Mm-hmm. You guys are hearing this brainstorm session live. Throw, this, you, into, throw this into a deck. Yeah. If you if you made it all the way to the end of this podcast and you're listening to this, how cool would it be if this came to life? <laughs> and you were like, wait, I heard them come up with that idea. Yeah. If you made it this far into this podcast, yeah, that's you impressive. Are, you're you, a true fan. You have to, if you made it this far into this podcast, you have to tweet at us or post on your Instagram story and let us know that you're here with us right now yeah talking about god knows what (laughs) all right thanks for listening to this episode of the colin and samir podcast um send us a voice message on anchor seriously it's a really cool thing to to hear your voice the voice of the community um let us know what you think about the samsung fold if you haven't seen our video check it out it's not as much about the fold itself but about the concept of brand and the concept of aspirational uh brands like like samsung um that's it so that's it this week for the Colin and Smear podcast. Thanks again to everyone who submitted a voice message this week. Feel free to continue submitting those through the Anchor app. And you can also submit questions and reviews to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's in the iTunes store, or if you just want to hit us up on Twitter and send us a question, we'd be happy to check it out and answer it right here on the podcast. Head over to our YouTube channel and check out our latest video about our experience at the Samsung event if you want to see more of that and subscribe to us on YouTube as well as wherever you listen to this podcast. All right, we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.